0: section five from a journal of the plague year by daniel defoe this librivox recording is in the public domain read by dennis sayers section five i need not say that these orders extended only to such places as were within the lord mayor's jurisdiction so it is requisite to observe That the justices of peace within those parishes and places as were called the hamlets and outparts took the same method as i remember the orders for shutting up of houses did not take place so soon on our side because as i said before the plague did not reach to these eastern parts of the town at least nor begin to be very violent till the beginning of august for example THE WHOLE BILL FROM THE 11TH TO THE 18TH OF JULY WAS 1,761. YET THERE DIED BUT SEVENTY-ONE OF THE PLAGUE IN ALL THOSE PARISHES WE CALL THE TOWER HAMLETS, AND THEY WERE AS FOLLOWS. ALDGATE, 17. THE NEXT WEEK, 34. AND TO THE 1ST OF AUGUST, 65. STEPNEY, 33. The next week fifty eight and to the first of August seventy six Whitechapel twenty one the next week forty eight and to august first seventy nine Saint Catherine Tower two the next week four to the first of August four Trinity Minories one the next week one and to the 1st of August, four, four, a total of seventy-one, the next week, one hundred and forty-five, and to the 1st of August, two hundred and twenty-eight. It was indeed coming on amain, for the burials that same week were in the next adjoining parishes thus. St. Leonard's, Shoreditch, sixty-four, THE NEXT WEEK, PRODIGIOUSLY INCREASED AS EIGHTY-FOUR, AND TO THE FIRST OF AUGUST, A HUNDRED AND TEN. SAINT Botolph's BISHOPSGATE, SIXTY-FIVE, THE NEXT WEEK, A HUNDRED AND FIVE, THE FIRST OF AUGUST, ONE HUNDRED AND SIXTEEN, ST. GILES, CRIPPLEGATE, TWO HUNDRED AND THIRTEEN, THE NEXT WEEK, FOUR HUNDRED AND TWENTY-ONE. And to the first of August, five hundred and fifty-four, for a total of three hundred and forty-two, the next week, six hundred and ten, and to the first of August, seven hundred and eighty. This shutting up of houses was at first counted a very cruel and unchristian method, and the poor people so confined made bitter lamentations complaints of the severity of it were also daily brought to my lord mayor of houses causelessly and some maliciously shut up i cannot say but upon inquiry many that complained so loudly were found in a condition to be continued and others again inspection made upon the sick person and the sickness not appearing infectious or if uncertain yet on his being content to be carried to the pest-house, were released. It is true that the locking up the doors of people's houses, and setting a watchman there night and day, to prevent their stirring out or, or any coming to them, when perhaps the sound people in the family might have escaped, if they had been removed from the sick, looked very hard and cruel and many people perished in these miserable confinements, which, tis reasonable to believe, would not have been distempered if they had had liberty, though the plague was in the house, at which the people were very clamorous and uneasy at first, and several violences were committed, and injuries offered to the men who were set to watch the houses so shut up. Also, several people broke out by force in many places, as i shall observe by and by but it was a public good that justified the private mischief and there was no obtaining the least mitigation by any application to magistrates or government at that time at least not that i heard of this put the people upon all manner of stratagem in order if possible to get out and it would fill a little volume to set down the arts used by the people of such houses TO SHUT THE EYES OF THE WATCHMEN WHO WERE EMPLOYED, TO DECEIVE THEM, AND TO ESCAPE OR BREAK OUT FROM THEM, IN WHICH FREQUENT SCUFFLES AND SOME MISCHIEF HAPPENED, OF WHICH BY ITSELF. AS I WENT ALONG, Houndsditch ONE MORNING, ABOUT EIGHT O'CLOCK, THERE WAS A GREAT NOISE. IT IS TRUE, INDEED, THERE WAS NOT MUCH CROWD, BECAUSE PEOPLE WERE NOT VERY FREE TO GATHER TOGETHER, OR TO STAY LONG TOGETHER WHEN THEY WERE THERE nor did I long stay there. But the outcry was loud enough to prompt my curiosity, and I called to one that looked out of a window, and asked, What was the matter? A watchman, it seems, had been employed to keep his post at the door of a house which was infected, or said to be infected, and was shut up. He had been there all night for two nights together, as he told his story, and the day-watchman— had been there one day, and was now come to relieve him. All this while, no noise had been heard in the house, no light had been seen. They called for nothing, sent him of no errands, which used to be the chief business of the watchman. Neither had they given him any disturbance, as he said, from the Monday afternoon, when he heard great crying and screaming in the house, which, as he supposed, was occasioned by some of the family dying just at that time. It seems, the night before, the dead-cart, as it was called, had been stopped there, and a servant-maid had been brought down to the door dead, and the buriers or bearers, as they were called, put her into the cart, wrapped only in a green rug, and carried her away. The watchman had knocked at the door, it seems, when he heard that noise, and crying, as above, and nobody answered a great while. But at last one looked out and said, with an angry, quick tone, and yet a kind of crying voice, or a voice of one that was crying, "'What do you want, that ye make such a knocking?' he answered. "'I am the watchman. How do you do? What is the matter?' The person answered, What is that to you? Stop the dead cart. This, it seems, was about one o'clock. Soon after, as the fellow said, he stopped the dead cart, and then knocked again, but nobody answered. He continued knocking, and the bellman called out several times, Bring out your dead! But nobody answered, till the man that drove the cart being called to other houses, would stay no longer, and drove away. The watchman knew not what to make of all this, so he let them alone till the morning man, or day-watchman, as they called him, came to relieve him. Giving him an account of the particulars, they knocked at the door a great while, but nobody answered, and they observed that the window, or casement at which the person had looked out, who had answered before, continued open being up two pair of stairs. Upon this the two men, to satisfy their curiosity, got a long ladder, and one of them went up to the window and looked into the room, where he saw a woman lying dead upon the floor in a dismal manner, having no clothes on her but her shift. But though he called aloud, and, putting in his long staff, knocked hard on the floor, yet nobody stirred or answered neither could he hear any noise in the house he came down again upon this and acquainted his fellow who went up also and finding it just so they resolved to acquaint the lord mayor or some other magistrate of it but did not offer to go in at the window the magistrate it seems upon the information of the two men ordered the house to be broke open, a constable and other persons being appointed to be present, that nothing might be plundered. And, accordingly, it was so done. When nobody was found in the house but that young woman, who had been infected and passed recovery, the rest had left her to die by herself, and were every one gone, having found some way to delude the watchman, and to get open the door, or get out at some back door, or over the tops of the houses, so that he knew nothing of it. And as to those cries and shrieks which he heard, it was supposed that they were the passionate cries of the family at the bitter parting, which, to be sure, it was to them all, this being the sister to the mistress of the family. The man of the house, his wife, several children, and servants, being all gone and fled. Whether sick or sound, that I could never learn, nor indeed did I make much inquiry after it. Many such escapes were made out of infected houses, as particularly when the watchman was sent of some errand, for it was his business to go of any errand that the family sent him of. That is to say, for necessaries such as food and physic to fetch physicians if they would come or surgeons or nurses or to order the dead cart and the like but with this condition too that when he went he was to lock up the outer door of the house and take the key away with him to evade this and cheat the watchmen, people got two or three keys made to their locks or they found ways to unscrew the locks, such as were screwed on, and so take off the lock, being in the inside of the house, and while they sent away the watchman to the market, to the bakehouse, or for one trifle or another, open the door, and go out as often as they pleased. But this being found out, the officers afterwards had orders to padlock up the doors on the outside, and place bolts on them as they thought fit. At another house, as I was informed, in the street next within Aldgate, a whole family was shut up and locked in, because the maid-servant was taken sick. The master of the house had complained by his friends to the next alderman, and to the Lord Mayor, and had consented to have the maid carried to the pest-house, but was refused. So THE DOOR WAS MARKED WITH A RED CROSS, A PADLOCK ON THE OUTSIDE, AS ABOVE, AND A WATCHMAN SET TO KEEP THE DOOR, ACCORDING TO PUBLIC ORDER. AFTER THE MASTER OF THE HOUSE FOUND THERE WAS NO remedy, BUT THAT HE, HIS WIFE, AND HIS CHILDREN WERE TO BE LOCKED UP WITH THIS POOR DISTEMPERED SERVANT, HE CALLED TO THE WATCHMAN, AND TOLD HIM HE MUST GO THEN AND FETCH A NURSE FOR THEM TO ATTEND THIS POOR GIRL. FOR THAT IT WOULD BE CERTAIN DEATH TO THEM ALL TO OBLIGE THEM TO NURSE HER, AND TOLD HIM PLAINLY THAT IF HE WOULD NOT DO THIS, THE MAID MUST PERISH, EITHER, OF THE DISTEMPER, OR BE STARVED FOR WANT OF FOOD, FOR HE WAS RESOLVED NONE OF HIS FAMILY SHOULD GO NEAR HER, AND SHE LAY IN THE GARRET FOUR-STORY HIGH, WHERE SHE COULD NOT CRY OUT, OR CALL TO ANYBODY FOR HELP. The watchman consented to that, and went and fetched a nurse as he was appointed, and brought her to them the same evening. During this interval, the master of the house took his opportunity to break a large hole through his shop into a bulk or a stall, where formerly a cobbler had sat, before or under his shop window. But the tenant, as may be supposed at such a dismal time as that, was dead or removed, and so he had the key in his own keeping. Having made his way into this stall, which he could not have done if the man had been at the door, the noise he was obliged to make, being such as would have alarmed the watchman, I say, having made his way into this stall, he sat still, till the watchman returned with the nurse, and all the next day also. But the night following— having contrived to send the watchman on another trifling errand, which, as I take it, was to an apothecary's for a plaster for the maid, which he was to stay for the making up, or some other such errand that might secure him staying some time. In that time he conveyed himself and all his family out of the house, and left the nurse and the watchman to bury the poor wench, that is, throw her into the cart, and take care of the house. I could give a great many such stories as these, diverting enough, which, in the long course of that dismal year, I met with, that is, heard of, and which are very certain to be true, or very near the truth, that is to say, true, in the general, for no man could at such a time learn all the particulars. There was likewise violence used with the watchmen, as was reported in abundance of places, and I believe that from the beginning of the visitation to the end, there was not less than eighteen or twenty of them killed, or so wounded as to be taken up for dead, which was supposed to be done by the people in the infected houses which were shut up, and where they attempted to come out and were opposed nor, indeed, could less be expected, for here were so many prisons in the town as there were houses shut up. And as the people shut up or imprisoned, so were guilty of no crime, only shut up because miserable, it was really the more intolerable to them. It had also this difference, that every prison, as we may call it, had but one jailer, and as he had the whole house to guard, and that many houses were so situated, as that they had several ways out, some more, some less, and some into several streets. It was impossible for one man so to guard all the passages as to prevent the escape of people made desperate by the fright of their circumstances, by the resentment of their usage, or by the raging of the distemper itself, so that they would talk to the watchman on one side of the house, while the family made their escape at another. For example, in Coleman Street, there are abundance of alleys, as appears still. A house was shut up in that they call White's Alley, and this house had a back window, not a door into a court, which had a passage into Bell Alley. A watchman was set by the constable at the door of this house, and there he stood, or his comrade, night and day, while the family went all away in the evening out at that window into the court, and left the poor fellows warding and watching for near a fortnight. Not far from the same place, they blew up a watchman with gunpowder, and burned the poor fellow dreadfully. And while he made hideous cries, and nobody would venture to come near to help him, the whole family that were able to stir got out at the windows one story high, two that were left sick calling out for help. Care was taken to give them nurses to look after them, but the persons fled were never found, till after the plague was abated they returned but as nothing could be proved so nothing could be done to them it is to be considered too that as these were prisons without bars and bolts which our common prisons are furnished with so the people let themselves down out of their windows even in the face of the watchmen, bringing swords or pistols in their hands And threatening the poor wretch to shoot him if he stirred or called for help. In other cases, some had gardens and walls or pales between them and their neighbours, or yards and back houses, and these, by friendship and entreaties, would get leave to get over these walls or pales, and so go out at their neighbours' doors. Or by giving money to their servants get them to let them through in the night, so that, in short, the shutting up of houses was in no wise to be depended upon. Neither did it answer the end at all, serving more to make the people desperate, and drive them to such extremities as that they would break out at all adventures. And that which was still worse, those that did thus break out, spread the infection farther by their wandering about with the distemper upon them in their desperate circumstances than they would otherwise have done for whoever considers all the particulars in such cases must acknowledge and we cannot doubt but the severity of those confinements made many people desperate and made them run out of their houses at all hazards and with the plague visibly upon them not knowing either whither to go or what to do or indeed what they did and many that did so were driven to dreadful exigencies and extremities and perished in the streets or fields for mere want or dropped down by the raging violence of the fever upon them others wandered into the country and went forward, anyway, as their desperation guided them, not knowing whither they went, or would go, till, faint and tired, and not getting any relief, the houses and villages on the road refusing to admit them to lodge, whether infected or no, they have perished by the roadside, or gotten into barns, and died there, none daring to come to them, or relieve them, though perhaps not infected, for nobody would believe them. On the other hand, when the plague at first seized a family, that is to say, when any body of the family had gone out and unwarily or otherwise catched the distemper and brought it home, it was certainly known by the family before it was known by the officers, who, as you will see by the order, were appointed to examine into the circumstances of all sick persons when they heard of their being sick. In this interval, between their being taken sick and examiners coming, the master of the house had leisure and liberty to remove himself or all his family, if he knew whither to go, and many did so. But the great disaster was that many did thus, after they were really infected themselves, and so carried the disease into the houses of those who were so hospitable as to receive them, which, it must be confessed, was very cruel and ungrateful. And this was in part the reason of the general notion, or scandal, rather, which went about of the temper of people infected, namely, that they did not take the least care or make any scruple of infecting others. Though, I cannot say, but there might be some truth in it too, but not so general as was reported. What natural reason could be given for so wicked a thing, at a time when they might conclude themselves just going to appear, at the bar of divine justice, I know not. I am very well satisfied that it cannot be reconciled to religion and principle any more than it can be to generosity and humanity. But I may speak of that again. I am speaking now of people made desperate by the apprehension of their being shut up, and their breaking out by stratagem or force, either before or after they were shut up, whose misery was not lessened when they were out, but, sadly, increased. On the other hand, many that thus got away had retreats to go to, and other houses, where they locked themselves up, and kept hid till the plague was over, and many families, foreseeing the approach of the distemper, laid up stores of provisions sufficient for their whole families, and shut themselves up, and that so entirely— That they were neither seen or heard of till the infection was quite ceased, and then came abroad sound and well. I might recollect several such as these, and give you the particulars of their management, for doubtless it was the most effectual, secure step that could be taken for such whose circumstances would not admit them to remove, or who had not retreats abroad proper for the case for in being thus shut up, they were as if they had been a hundred miles off. Nor do I remember that any one of those families miscarried. Among these, several Dutch merchants were particularly remarkable, who kept their houses like little garrisons, besieged, suffering none to go in or out, or come near them, particularly one in a court in Throgmorton Street, whose house looked into Draper's garden. But I come back to the case of families infected and shut up by the magistrates. The misery of those families is not to be expressed, and it was generally in such houses that we heard the most dismal shrieks and outcries of the poor people terrified, and even frighted to death by the sight of the condition of their dearest relations, and by the terror of being imprisoned as they were. I remember, and while I am writing this story, I think I hear the very sound of it. A certain lady had an only daughter, a young maiden about nineteen years old, and who was possessed of a very considerable fortune. There were only lodgers in the house where they were. The young woman, her mother, and the maid had been abroad on some occasion, I do not remember what, for the house was not shut up. But, about two hours after they came home, the young lady complained she was not well. In a quarter of an hour more, she vomited and had a violent pain in her head. "'Pray God,' says her mother, in a terrible fright, my child has not the distemper the pain in her head increasing her mother ordered the bed to be warmed and resolved to put her to bed and prepared to give her things to sweat which was the ordinary remedy to be taken when the first apprehensions of the distemper began while the bed was airing the mother undressed the young woman and just as she was laid down in the bed she looking upon her body with a candle, immediately discovered the fatal tokens on the inside of her thighs. Her mother, not being able to contain herself, threw down her candle, and shrieked out in such a frightful manner that it was enough to place horror upon the stoutest heart in the world. Nor was it one scream, or one cry. But the fright having seized her spirits, she, fainted first, then recovered, then ran all over the house, up the stairs and down the stairs, like one distracted, and, indeed, really was distracted, and continued screeching and crying out for several hours, void of all sense, or at least government of her senses, and, as I was told, never came thoroughly to herself again. As to the young maiden, She was a dead corpse from that moment, for the gangrene which occasions the spots had spread over her whole body, and she died in less than two hours. But still the mother continued crying out, not knowing anything more of her child several hours after she was dead. It is so long ago that I am not certain, but I think the mother never recovered but died in two or three weeks after. This was an extraordinary case, and I am therefore the more particular in it, because I came so much to the knowledge of it. But there were innumerable such-like cases, and it was seldom that the weekly bill came in, but there were two or three put in, frighted, that is, that may well be called, frighted to death, But, besides those who were so frighted as to die upon the spot, there were great numbers frighted to other extremes, some frighted out of their senses, some out of their memory, and some out of their understanding. But I return to the shutting up of houses. As several people, I say, got out of their houses by stratagem after they were shut up, so others got out by bribing the watchmen and giving them money to let them go privately out in the night i must confess i thought it at the time the most innocent corruption or bribery that any man could be guilty of and therefore could not but pity the poor men and think it was hard when three of those watchmen were publicly whipped through the streets for suffering people to go out of houses shut up but notwithstanding that severity, money prevailed with the poor men, and many families found means to make sallies out and escape that way after they had been shut up. But these were generally such as had some places to retire to, and though there was no easy way passing the roads any whither after the first of August, yet there were many ways of retreat, and particularly as I hinted, some got tents and set them up in the fields, carrying beds or straw to lie on, and provisions to eat, and so lived in them as hermits in a cell, for nobody would venture to come near them, and several stories were told of such, some comical, some tragical, some who lived like wandering pilgrims in the desert and escaped by making themselves exiles, in such a manner as is scarce to be credited, and who yet enjoyed more liberty than was to be expected in such cases. End of section 5